0: In today's show, we're talking NBA draft with Tyler Rucker from No Ceilings. We're gonna be talking about Scoot Henderson. We're gonna be talking about Colby Jones. We're gonna be talking about Blau Kalabali. It's gonna be exciting. So, Michael Bolton.
1: Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get
0: to it. Let's get to it, indeed
1: are locked on fantasy basketball your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the locked on podcast network
0: hello and welcome to the locked on fantasy basketball podcast brought to you by basketball monster my name is josh lloyd and i am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball. at tiktok at Redrock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash When you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free, we are available on all platforms. We're here to talk NBA draft again. Hope you enjoyed yesterday's show. We're going to be go- diving into a bunch of players, including Scoot Henderson in this show. So, yeah, we'll do it.
1: All right, so let's bring him in. Tyler Rucker, welcome welcome to the show. Josh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm, I'm excited to, to be here and, and talk some NBA draft with you, so I appreciate it.
0: It's good to have you here. It's going to be great to talk um, NBA draft, but the thing that I have decided I'm going to ask every draft analyst that comes on to start off the show is the top five. We know where the order is. We know how it's set. We know who's going number one. 99.999% well actually it's 100% we know who's going number one but what do you think or what would you do with the top five picks what would your top five be in order
1: uh, so if I'm going with with the order of, of where I would go at um, obviously Victor Vinyama is going to be going number one to San Antonio as a surprise for everyone Yep. Um, you know two is going to be where everything gets really interesting in this draft I think that's the, the way things have been building up over the last couple of months but now with Charlotte getting number two you know, I, I'm still leaning towards Scoot Henderson there. Um, he's number two on my board. He, he's been that way the whole year. I think no matter what happened, I thought, you know, it should be Victor and Scoot as the two top picks. Now, fitting him together with Lamella Ball, that'll be another story and, and something we get to discuss for the next coming weeks and months. And, um, but I would lean that way. And, um, you know, three, if Portland keeps that pick, um, I still think Brandon Miller would make a lot of sense there just because of the offensive upside he has and the potential to be a superstar. And you pair him with Shaden Sharp, that'd be really fascinating. Four is where it gets interesting. Um, definitely for Houston. Um, I, I think they could go in a number of different directions when you're talking about maybe one of the Thompson twins. You know, I, I think for now I would probably say Jarris Walker is someone I think makes a lot of sense. There might be a little bit of a curveball that, That's the way I'd be leaning. And then five with Detroit. That's where things start to get interesting. But um, a player I'm high on that I think would make a lot of sense there is Cam Whitmore. He's he would be the best player on my board available. I like that fit and um, putting him alongside, you know, Cade and Jaden Ivey. I think that would be a very exciting, you know, front court or, or wings to develop and some really exciting basketball. Both you, you no, no Ceilings guys we've had on so far, you and Nathan, have put Whitmore
0: at five. But an interesting little curveball there with uh, with Jarris at four to Houston, staying in Houston. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, it is, but that's not what we're, our main thing that we're talking about is. We're here to talk about five different NBA draft prospects. And we're going to start by talking about a player that you, Tyler, are higher on than the consensus. Bang! Bang! Colby Jones, the guard out of Xavier. Unlike nearly every player projected in the first round, he's not 19. He's actually going to be 21 really soon. He's a 6'6 guard. He's got a pretty wide range of outcomes. I don't really ever see anyone going higher than 15 on him so far. He is a shooter, 58 true shooting, 22 usage. He averaged 16 points per 36 minutes. So let me start off by asking this: when you say you're higher on him, the consensus, like how high are we talking here for Colby Jones?
1: So, you know, right now, obviously I'm tinkering with my big board as the draft progresses and gets closer, but... I've got him at 16 um, I've had him higher than that before asking around, you know, there's a lot of fans and front of offices. There's a lot of teams that are really intrigued and, and asking about him, And, and that's usually a telling sign. That's like, okay, that name's buzzing a little bit and um, the ears perk up and it's just with Colby Jones. I think he's going to be one of these guys that just fills up the box score. Um, he does a lot of different stuff. Some nights he's, you know, a high number of assists um coming into this year he had some buzz as a potential NBA prospect and scouts wanted to see the three-point shot develop and it did in a big way and and he's just one of those players that you might look up and it's you know he had 15 points and six rebounds and five assists and then a couple steals and you're just like whoa he he just impacts the game every single night and you know he's gonna be an upperclassman a little bit older so that might be something that teams kind of hold against him. but I think At some point in this draft, you're wanting a smart player that's really intelligent and makes winning impactful plays. I think Colby Jones is going to be right at the top of the list.
0: So let me ask you about him. Like, he comes in with some shooting ability, but he didn't take a huge amount of threes. He Mm -hmm. attempted three threes per game at 38%, but three three and a half threes per 36 minutes is quite low volume. And he couldn't hit free throws. 65% Mm -hmm. from the line on three and a half attempts. Now, the six rebounds are really interesting. The four and a half assists at this sort of position where he's not really a point guard, but like a, a ball handler type is interesting. A very strong steal rate is also interesting, but what, what's, what is what's it with the shot? Why didn't he take so many threes? Is there concern with the the free throw percentage and how that enables him to translate as a shooter heading into the NBA? Is he going to be someone in the NBA who can, is able to do stuff mid-range and at the rim because his finishing rate was pretty strong, but I'm just more concerned about that volume on the threes.
1: Yeah, the volume on the three is definitely interesting because this offseason, I think, coming into the year, scouts wanted to see that develop. And he's shown he, it can be a weapon with his game. But the the fascinating part about Colby's offensive, you know, upside is he's really smart with working to get to his spots. Um, he knows that he doesn't want to rely on the three-point shot. Now, if you're going to give it to him, he, he will take it. He'll He'll make you respect it. But colby works to get to his spots he's a mid-range guy that is crafty with you know playing out of the pick and roll and, and navigating and all of that stuff so i think when you're talking about that and yes the the free throw percentage is a little bit lower than you like to see it but i think the form the consistency with his shot it, it's really strong so i think he's going to be that three level scorer at the next level okay so
0: defensively like there is obviously uh, he's six six he doesn't have a huge wingspan it's about six eight like that, that's okay he's probably a little undersized to guard up the bigger type wings he's probably I would say more going to be tasked with guarding the the, the twos more than the threes is he capable of that is he going to be a a guy that gets targeted on that end you know, is is that something that he can be like no I can be a strong defender and whatever else you get is a bonus.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's going to be able to hold his own and switch on to multiple positions on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he's listed at 6'6", 207, but he's he's stocky. He's got a big body. You know, we've had someone at no ceilings that got to see him live this year, and that was one of the first things he said. He's like, He is a load. He is humongous. He's really, really b- well built. So, I think Colby's going to draw a lot of comparisons to Josh Hart of the New York Knicks. And Okay, that's interesting. It's gonna be one of, yeah, it's going to be one of those just smart players that really knows how to fill a lot of roles, and I think – teams are going to be very intrigued with him especially if you get towards that late lottery he might be a name that sneaks up there.
0: Josh Hart's a really interesting comp as a guy that obviously struggles with his three-point shot but does a lot of really strong and smart and tough things on the court. He's also one of those players that you probably never want to go, oh, well, look at the upside here. Look at the massive swing I'm going to take. I'll, I'll reach it to 10 or 11 because I think there's this huge upside. But yeah, those guys always tend to be available later half of the first round. Go, oh, this guy's going to contribute. He's going to be really, really good. And I don't even know if he went back and redid uh, Josh Hart's draft, where he would end up going in that draft, even though he's had yeah a really, really strong and successful career. It's just that like there is limitations is into what he does and to how big his role can grow in india you know, the situations where maybe he's not playable because of the offensive limitations is that sort of what you see with colby or do you think there is more more upside there where like even if it doesn't come to fruition that there is a chance that he can do a little
1: bit more i think there's a chance that you know colby's going to offer a little bit more offensively than it probably josh hart does now josh hart's turned into a fantastic defensive asset but i think every draft class, you're going to see the upperclassmen go a little bit later than they might need to, you know, might realize or expect. And that's why we always have these redrafts. And those guys tend to skyrocket up boards and and go much earlier, because I think we chase the idea when it's evaluating our NBA teams, evaluating of of an idea of an unfinished player. And sometimes you chase upside. And with a lot of these upperclassmen that have gone back and admitted to themselves, like, I need to keep working on my game to be ready for that next level, they get a lot better. They work on some of their the weaknesses in their games. And I think you've seen that with Colby Jones with adding the three-point shot this year. Now it's it's low volume, like you've said, Josh, but I, I do think that it's now at a point where it looks like it's gonna be a real part of his game moving forward.
0: We're gonna come back in a second and talk about a player you're a little bit lower on. Before I do that though, today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. We're all looking for things that are comfortable, but also look good shorts, pants, whatever it is. Bird Dogs provides that whether you're just hopping down to the supermarket to pick up whatever it is, a bottle of wine. Something that you just need to get or you're going out for dinner or you're going out to meet friends or you're going down to the park to play some basketball to pretend like you're Colby Jones. Whatever it is, Bird Dogs has the thing for you. These are super comfortable. You're going to love the fabric and love the feel of them when you're wearing it. But they also look fantastic. There's so many different options on their website as well of different colors and styles and cuts and lengths. I go the shortest possible, mate. I've got to get these big, big boy thighs out there for the world to see. I want as short as possible. Give me that freedom of movement. But if you don't want that, they've got other options too. They've got pants, they've got shorts. Everything that you want over at Bird Dogs. So if you go to birddogs.com/slash-locked-on-nba, we have got an extra deal for you. The promo code is locked-on-nba, and they'll also throw, they'll throw in this custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order that they have. So whatever you want to do, whatever you need, you're looking for comfort, you're looking for style. Bird Dogs has that for you. So go to birddogscom slash locked on Use the code locked on NBA, Get your free Yeti style tumbler, but also get yourself really cool, really um, exciting, and comfortable pants and shorts. That will bring us to talk about a player that you want to give a reality check to Tyler, someone that you are less interested in than a lot of people at this point. Bang! Bang! And that is Victor Weminyama's teammate Bilal Kulabali. Kulabali, how do you how do we actually say that name? Because I've heard it a couple of different ways.
1: I believe it's Kulabali, but if I'm wrong, I'm going to apologize to everyone. But that's where that's where I'm going with. That's where I've heard the most.
0: Bilal Kulabali, who played probably, uh, let's, let's roughly say half the season in the junior team for Metropolitans, moved up to the big team towards the end of the year, and it's not often that, and I know that this team was a little bit different, obviously, with the development of, of Victor, but 18-year-olds playing sizable roles down the end of the stretch, playing alongside Victor, it's not a usual thing that happens in a lot of European leagues, but he forced his way up after putting up absurd numbers in the junior team um, to putting up. Pretty solid numbers. Playing in the big team, he averaged, um, you can see the the shooting numbers are insane. I think some of that, some of those stats are mixed between the two different areas. But he is 18 years of age, so hyper young. He's going to be 19 towards the start of the season. He's like, and I said this on my mock draft yesterday, every player we talk about is like, oh yeah, this guy's a 6'6 to 6'9 wing who's 19 years of age. There's 20 of these guys that are going to go in the first round, which... And that's what makes I think this draft really strong. Is in previous years ago, yeah, look at these players; they're really good. But here's a, a, a three-seven foot centers who can't shoot, and they're in the top twelve players. In this year, it's like now everyone's six-six to six-nine, and they're athletic, and they can pass and defend, and they can shoot a little bit. And that's sort of what Bellard can do. Very athletic, wide range of outcomes. I've, uh, you know, in the, all the mock drafts that I've tracked so far, I haven't updated since yesterday, but a range of between fourteen to thirty. So he's gaining steam at the moment just for a anecdote that doesn't really mean anything, but when I was playing my NBA 2K franchise and loaded up this draft class about three months ago, I picked Colabaly as the 60th pick in that draft. So whoever made that draft class didn't rate him very highly as well. And now we're talking about, hey, he's going, he could go in the lottery. So why are you pumping the brakes on what Bilal can do?
1: I, I still like him a lot. It's just one of those, there's there's a lot of momentum and a lot of buzz around, you know, draft fans right now about him potentially ending up in the lottery. And And I get the idea. I get the intrigue. I still have him in my first round. I, I just think this is more of a raw player than some might realize. And, you know, when you look at the numbers, they look really impressive, but most of those impressive numbers were coming at lower level competition, mm. which he looked dominant. It, I mean, he looked like a guy that shouldn't be playing at that competition. And then, you know, Victor's senior club team gets some injuries and Coolbali gets called up and he starts playing really well on defense and they keep him around. He showed some flashes, but I think there's a longer developmental path than some might, you know, realize now it, that could still intrigue teams, picking in the lottery for a, a bit of a project with some really special upside because he has that tools. But for now, right now, I'm, I'm more in that, you know, early twenties range. I think if you could get him there, you'd be excited. But with how much buzz he has going on right now, I think there's going to be teams in the late lottery and in the teens thinking that if they want Koulibaly, cool they might have to jump and get him because a lot of tools um, risk listed around 6'6 six, six to 6'8, six, we've even hear, heard rumored, um, and, and really lengthy, but he glides around the court. He's super athletic. The shot needs to come along, but the defensive tools are really, really special. I think he's got all the the tools. It's just can some team – have that patience to allow them to come together and that's where if you're trying to pick him too early you know some of those teams might not have that patience to let someone take a couple of years to find their find their groove and, and he's still very very young but um, a really special prospect I'm just not there with him as a, a lottery guy right now
0: the if you look at his junior numbers playing for the espoir um squad it, um they look like and this is how I, we're going to have a lot of confusion in this draft is they look like the numbers that the Thompsons were putting up at overtime elite, like 2.6 steals per game, 1.2 blocks as a 6-6 wing. Like these are crazy, like six rebounds. Like these are insane athletic numbers where he was too good for that competition. So you know, that level of play is obviously not as high as college basketball or European basketball, but there's something there. Like he's playing against other juniors, which... The overtime elite boys are, and a lot of the college players are. Obviously, not. It's quite high of a level. But then the other interesting thing is, he shot forty five percent from three when he moved up to the big team. Yes, on two attempts per thirty six minutes, but those shots went in, and he showed a little bit of that level of um, athleticism. But like, okay, how do you grade that? That junior level playing there? Like, is there? Is it ridiculous for me to say? Well, you know, the talent level at overtime elite is not maybe not that great like how does that compare because he's doing your know, thompson-ish sort of stuff defensively there
1: yeah it's tough i mean it it's probably a good you know case study if you're wanting to compare mm. even the thompson twins with where they've been playing because they've been playing with much younger um prospects and and koulibaly's in the same boat you you watch him in the lower level competition it's a completely different player because he's just surging with confidence he's doing everything he wants on the court i mean he's attacking the lane with relative ease. He's finishing with emphatic slams and um, he just looks like he's got some swagger. And then obviously when he's going up to play against tougher competition, it it levels out and you could still that's where the age really comes out, but he's impressed even with not putting up big numbers there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I've gone back to watch, you know, Victor play against the G league ignite and cool got some minutes and you're like, okay, he's holding his own defensively. He's really, impressing so it's just one of those things you kind of have to evaluate like okay well this is a a lower level of competition but look at what he can do look how special it is when everything's you know flowing and the confidence is at an all-time high and you just have to try to figure out okay how long is it going to be until maybe both of those worlds when it comes to the confidence mesh together and i think if an nba team gets them into their organization has a good developmental plan in you know, progress for him. Maybe you get some time in the G League just to get some reps, but there's a a lot of really good basketball for Bilal Khabibale to to be unlocked. And it's just who's gonna go all in and, and try to find the, you know, gold with him because he is a diamond in the rough.
0: In terms of, you know, what happens with him next season, is there any chance that he stays in Europe and with obviously you no know, victor on that team that we see him in a larger role for Metropolitans, or do you think he's coming across
1: no matter what? You know, I, I think it's interesting because I, in the past, it always seemed you'd want to put them overseas and kind of keep them to almost maybe try to pick where they would go play and, and, get them some good experience. Now with the popularity of the G league, now they're about to expand and every single organization is going to have a G league franchise. I think it's almost you want to bring him over and then have him around your developmental staff, maybe get him reps in the G league because the G league competition has been fantastic. Um, It it used to early on be kind of almost like a, you know, a a demotion in some people's eyes with fans. And now it's like, no, it's just an outstanding developmental resource for these organizations. So I think there's a higher chance that you'd want to bring him over kind of work and have your hands on with them. And, and, even if he's not playing a lot of minutes as a rookie, you're still having him around the team in practice and just any way you can get some confidence into him. Because I I doubt his rookie year, he's going to be a guy that plays extended minutes because I just think there's too much of a learning curve and there's a lot of rawness. But he has the tools to be something really, really special moving forward.
0: All right, so let's, let's go. Let's talk Scoot Henderson, who mm-hmm. is either going to be the number two pick or the number three pick we both think that he probably should go number two. A lot of people go, well, you need to draft for fit. I don't know how he fits with LaMelo. To me, he's just significantly higher than Brandon Miller in terms of grading them out as players. And there's a chance that he is a better player than LaMelo Ball. So look, if you're not drafting him because LaMelo's there, I think they can work together, no problem. But if you draft him because of that, like I I think that's a huge mistake Um, and and you're in a similar boat, I guess, with having him at number two still. The people are going to say, well, we don't want these six foot two guards who can't really shoot, right? He can't shoot. He shot 28% or whatever it was in the G League um, through a lot of these games. Like he just didn't have that ability to shoot. And my counter was "Yeah, Lamelo Ball shot 25% from three in the NBL. And now he's like, he's a really good three-point shooter. Not saying they're the same player, but Scoot does have, I think, some ability to become a a good three-point shooter. The height and the shooting are going to be the two negative things that people say about Scoot. Tyler, how do you counter that?
1: I I think he's, you know, for me, the whole year, he's been number two on my board. It's been Victor and Scoot one, two. Um, I've said, you know, forever, I I really believe whoever got the second pick on lottery night should have taken Scoot. I I even said that with Detroit. I said, just take him and figure it out. I know it would be really a big headache, but... You just have the the potential to draft a franchise-altering point guard, and every year everyone wants to say you can find a six-two point guard, and I'm like, no, the, you can't find this one because although he is six-two, he is stocky, he's ripped. Um, I think he's got a plus six or plus seven wingspan. Yeah, I think it's seven with the yeah, and with that athleticism, you don't see that a lot. It's um, going to draw plenty of Russell Westbrook com- like comparisons. I think he's got a little Chris Paul in his game. He's very crafty in the mid range. Um, the three-point shot isn't, you know, I'm not too worried about it because he's gonna have two years of G-League experience. He was playing last year as a 17-year-old. Um, his three-point centers almost doubled this year. That's how like last year he was yep. just trying to adjust to the three-point shot. And he took strides this year. He was he was hovering above 30% for most of the year, and he is just so dynamic. Um, the playmaking, the explosiveness, the shift of gears, the ability to to read defense and, and play with angles. And I think he's got all the tools to be really, really special the next level. And I, I know Charlotte's on on at two and that's going to be a headache with Brandon Miller and scoot for the next couple of weeks. We're all going to be debating it. But I think if you believe in the upside of scoot Henderson, I, I don't think LaMelo ball is stopping you from drafting a player of his talent. I, I think they could you know, work together. And if it doesn't work out, then you have an, another situation to evaluate down the road. But I wouldn't want to be the team that passes up on Scoot Henderson.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. I, 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 people go, well, you can't, i I've, I've seen some stupid takes already on Scoot. So why would you want to bring in a six foot two offensive black hole? Like, do you understand what the term black hole means? Like, I don't think you do right. for a start. Like that's not what he is. He's a, he's a good passer. He's a point guard. He does a lot of things. And also like, I know this, this comparison will get people up in arms and they'll say, oh, Josh, what are you talking about? They didn't even make the playoffs, but yeah, look at Doncic and Kyrie Irving played together. They both played unbelievably well offensively. It wasn't the offense that didn't make them get in the playoffs. It was the right. fact that the rest of the roster made no sense at all. And nobody can defend, right? That was not why that team didn't succeed. They both went out there with 30 plus usage, the offense worked pretty well. Both guys put up big numbers and like it works. Like you can get these two... Like LaMelo Ball doesn't have to... He's not going to play 48 minutes a night for a start. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands for every single second of every single possession. That's also not the player LaMelo Ball is. He's not James Harden who has the ball and dribble, dribble, pound, pound, set up this, set up this. Like... The Ball brothers, Lonzo more than Lamella, but they move it around. They get it, they get it going. They can orchestrate things in different situations. And Scoot also is not a black hole. Like, he can move. He can cut. He's strong. He can, he's got the wingspan. I think there's defensive ability there. To me, there's just not even a question of who I would take. I've got more concerns on Brandon Miller than other people. But Scoot, I think yeah, we're trying to... It's not to sell the, the positive. It's more to dispel the, the negatives about him. What do you think about him defensively? Like, that wingspan
1: is, is really big. Is that something that he uses to his advantage? It's something that you know his defense has taken strides in the right direction. I still think there's a couple levels he needs to unlock. Like there's there's a desire for him to be an impactful um, point of attack defender. I think there's just some fundamentals that he's going to have to to iron out when it comes to you know surviving at the NBA level. I don't think he's ever going to play himself off the court when it comes to his defensive ability. But there's definitely some off ball recognition. There's some fundamentals on the ball that I think he'll he'll figure out and get ironed out and especially with an NBA coach you know they're going to hold him accountable and he's from everything I've heard just a relentless worker has the right mentality everyone says he's mature beyond his years and I think he's going to be one of those you know first to show up at the gym last to leave and he wants to be great and I I think that's probably the area people will be concerned about but it's it's not something I'm overly worried about, you know, oh, Scoot's such a bad defender, he can't be on the court. I think he's just going to have to maybe, you know, take the pride to all of a sudden zone in on that and and become a really impactful defensive asset. I'm
0: going to throw three names at you. It's probably a little bit cliched in terms of the type of player, but we have seen these three guys with either elite athleticism in terms of jumping ability, speed, driving, have significant success. In fact, one of these players was an All-NBA player this season. Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, De'Aaron Fox. All three of those guys struggled with their outside shooting at times in their career. They've had some moments of being average to above average, but as a general rule, they're below average three-point shooters. But they're also above, above, above average athletes. Which one of those guys is more similar to what you think Scoot can project as?
1: I think it's it's funny that you bring that up because I a lot of people always say, like, oh, Russell Westbrook and Scoot Henderson. I'm like, I see Derrick Rose the most when I watch his game because it's just how quickly he can change gears um, laterally too when it comes to when he wants to get somewhere. He's very smooth and then just has that tight window explosiveness to really get somewhere fast. And it's tough to deal with if, if you're defending him. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he can hit on the afterburners and transition and – finish above the rim with authority so he he's kind of a just a headache machine for defensive guys and and also I think a lot of people wonder about the outside shot but Scoot works to get to that mid-range like he that's where the Westbrook comes in and that's where the Derek Rose comes in because he works to get to his spots like he understands using a pick and roll being patient letting the play develop, and then he picks people apart with that elbow jumper and really crafty especially in the post too he's just got a lot of tools so I would say Derek Rose probably is is the most similar to Scoot Henderson.
0: Well, if he turns out like Derek Rose, then obviously that's the sort of pick that you want uh, outside, yes. outside of injuries at pick number uh, pick number two. So, look, he is, again, to me, very clearly at number two. I don't debate that at all. And same with you. If it was Detroit there, I wouldn't have cared. Like, I'd, I'd take him and it's Jaden Ivey. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, you go to another team, you work together. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, that's that's the play, and that's when I'm analyzing things for fantasy, for dynasty fantasy, I want to look at a player and go, you're the guy that I'm set on, like, you are set, like, I look at Mark Williams in Charlotte, I go back to the Hornets, and I go, yeah, you're pretty good, but someone better comes along, you're not doing anything. Yeah, we're not doing this because Mark Williams is here. But to me, it's scoot, like scoot comes in and then everything else sort of fits around. And then we work out the other stuff later on that level of prospect. And that's why it's really clearly having him there at number two. So I'm excited to see what he brings. I'm excited to see if the Hornets, what decision they make. And then if he falls to three, what, what do the blazers do? That's the other interesting thing. It's like, I have heard that they, I heard this weeks ago that if they didn't get pick one, they're trading their pick. And, it could end up being an unbelievable talent level player of scoot falling to three, which could net them something really interesting in a trade. So who knows how that's going to go. Let's talk about some second round players now. Let's go to Kobe Brown. Older player, 23 years of age, power forward, Missouri, um, 6'8", really efficient 65, true shooting, shot 46% from three, which is obviously an insane number. Um, he's a guy that I've heard a few people say Yeah, I'm a little bit high on him, like sleeper type guy is going to contribute. He's obviously older. So what changed for Kobe Brown that makes him more of a draftable player this year than say like last season or the year before when he would have been obviously a little bit younger? What did he improve on? Is it just the fact that Leo is bigger and stronger than everyone that was able to do these things? Like what changed with Kobe Brown this season?
1: You know, I think... He's he's been a name that's getting a lot of buzz lately, um, especially is. for a second round guy. It's getting a lot of fans in draft circles, and I think the the one part of his game that he's going to be able to hang his hat on is is the versatility. Um, you know, for Missouri this year, Kobe Brown did a lot of different roles. Um, sometimes they played him at the four; he was a floor spacer. So, it, and you wouldn't expect it because he kind of plays the game almost like a point forward, but. Then he was the rebounding guy. Sometimes they played him at the center. He just kind of did anything that the team needed him to do. And I think that's something that NBA teams will be very intrigued by, especially if you're trying to find some great value in the second round. Um, He's shown the ability to be a really good playmaker. He can step outside and hurt defenses from deep. Um, Very crafty around the basket. It's just one of those upperclassmen that really has kind of figured everything out when it comes to like, okay, I might not be elite at any specific skill or part of my game, but I'm pretty good at about a a lot of things. And I think when you get in the second round and you could find guys like that, that could almost fill a lot of roles. That's where NBA teams are going to be like, Hey, we might be able to find something here with some good value. So, you know, at, at one point he was looking like a guy that was just trying to get drafted. Now I, it wouldn't shock me if he's climbing up to get into that middle of the second round. And all it takes is one team to really get in, in love with your game.
0: In my mock draft database which is about 10 different mock drafts across different places, someone's got him at 37. So that's your know, that's premium second round stuff and you look at his numbers, they're they're actually unbelievably good. The sh- 3 point shooting, it's not huge volume, but it's 4 attempts per 36. That's not it's not invisible numbers. It's more than Colby Jones. It's you know, a guy that's averaging here 3 assists per game as a power forward player, like a big guy. It's a guy averaging almost two steals per 36 minutes. It's a guy with a pretty strong assist to turnover ratio, who's a forward, all of these things, you know, 79% from the line. These are all unbelievably good translation numbers. Just, I guess, it's the age. It's like, is it real? Is it beating up on young kids? Like, what is it about him where he's going up against guys who he's four years older than him? But he's rising quite a bit. And, you know, we've seen some older players the name that comes to mind, you know, early second round pick as a bit of an older guy in college is Xavier Tillman who mm-hmm. put up some really interesting numbers, flashed some passing and you know, filled in as a starter for Stephen Adams this year and held his own. So not, they're not, you know, Kobe's not a, a center, but as a, a bigger, stockier sort of wing who's got some shooting upside, there, I think there is a role here for him. So I was someone, someone I never really paid a huge amount of attention to up until maybe a week or so ago and I've really started to dig in, but there's some very interesting numbers here with Kobe Brown and you know, this rise that's coming, it seems like
1: you buy into it a little bit. Absolutely. I I think when you're getting to that second round, a lot of teams are trying to find some, some obviously some great value that they can just look back and feel pretty good about. And I think something that always is starting to translate now and you're seeing, and even in the playoffs is you got to have a high feel for the game. You got to be a really intelligent player that understands how to read opposing defenses and how to impact the game and, and get to your spots and, I think that's where Kobe Brown could really excel is he's got the versatility. He's got the feel for the game to stand out now. I mean, obviously he's big body, he's 6'8" he's around 250 pounds. So teams are going to be like, okay, well, where are we playing him? And I think at some point, some team might look at him and be like, Hey, this might be a good guy that we could kind of groom to be one of our seventh, eighth guys in the rotation that really gives us some good minutes and comes off the bench. And is a smart player who understands how to impact the game and, maybe that's just to start out early in his career and he develops into a kind of a Swiss army knife who plays extended minutes and kind of is your sixth or seventh man you never really know but i think he's shown that he can score in multiple you know multiple levels and he also can impact the game on both sides so it's it's not surprising for me to to hear that he's heating up
0: yeah, you never like to compare older second round players with all-stars who made you know made the all-star team a couple of times, but this is also a guy that was a second-round player who's a power forward who could pass and defend and showed some shooting ability, but Paul Millsap was able to develop yeah. from that second-round player into someone who's like, man, I just love having Paul Millsap out there, and Paul Millsap's doing these things, and he's strong, and he's defending unbelievably well, and now he's shooting the ball, and now he's passing the ball, and that's not to say that Kobe Brown is that player, and he does, he's not multiple-time all-star upside, but... You know, that sort of player has been success for that sort of player in the NBA if everything comes together. Now, the last player we're going to talk about, I've just realized on my graphic, I've got the wrong team because that was his team last season because he now moved across to play for Partizan last season. Um, And that is now can because this name, you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, well, it's Vukcevic, but it's not because there's an extra K in this name. It's not the same as Nikola. So how do we say Tristan? Is it Vukcevic?
1: I thought it was Vukcevic, so you, you, you I got don't... me all messed up now, too. Vukcevic. I, I okay, we'll go with Vukcevic.
0: Vukcevic. All right, so there we go. Um, I'm going to have to do more research on pronouncing this guy's name, but he plays for Partizan. He is um, some varying heights. I see 6'10 in some places, foot in other plots, spots. He's a tall, power forward sort of a player. Second round guy, um, didn't play a huge amount. Those those stats on the screen are per 36 minutes because he played in League just six minutes a game. He played 15 minutes uh, a game in uh, the Adriatic League. For them, he averaged what eight points. He shot 40% from three in the Adriatic League. He, like nearly every European big man, has a really low block rate. That seems to be uh, very common for these players. But is he... Let's compare him to another second round um, Eastern European player who has done... Absolutely, jack shit in the NBA so far. Marco Simonovic, how do these guys compare?
1: You know, the thing with with Tristan is is he has one skill that makes him a very intriguing, you know, commodity in NBA front offices, and he can shoot the crap out of the ball. He's he's really got a beautiful stroke from outside, and that's been something that has caught the attention of teams for a couple of years. He's been one of those names that's just been buzzing overseas, and I feel like teams were and scouts were sort of patiently waiting for it's like okay let's get a couple other areas of his game to to come around it just it unfortunately hasn't really happened um but what he has going for him is he can shoot and the NBA right now is putting up crazy numbers when it comes to points per game and he's got great size I mean he's got a a high release and the ability to stretch out from way beyond the arc and got a really tough shot to block if you're if you're defending him and he's just coming off as we're recording this he just had probably one of the best performances at the nba draft combine so he's gonna start being a popular name again i mean i think he had 21 points and was scoring from everywhere so it's gonna be one of those things where it's like okay well our team's gonna look at him as maybe this is another stash guy where you put over or maybe this is someone you take a flyer with in the second round and try to see if you can continue to develop his game but the shot alone is very, very pretty, and it's a legit weapon from outside. It's just, is there enough of raw tools surrounding that you could still feel you can develop moving forward? And right now, I'm not sure. I, I think the performance today at the Combine is definitely going to get him back on that radar, and some teams going to be intrigued probably at, at some point in the second round. Good free throw shooter. Shot 40% in his 22 Adriatic League games. On
0: almost five three point attempts per 36 minutes. Um you know, rebound numbers weren't super strong, but they were pretty good. He's big. I'm just looking on his real uh real I was gonna say real GM. His real GM play- page. And he's got his full name as Tristan Silikas Vukcevic, but it's all spelt Greek. So I don't know what's going on there. The the Vukcevic Vukcevic is spelt like Greek spelling, so I I don't actually not know what's going on. And then you look at his um, you look at his Tankathon page, and it says he's from hometown Siena, Italy. He's got a Greek name on here. It says he's born in Serbia. I, I don't know. He's just all
1: over the place. Just Mister Mister
0: <laughs> Worldwide over here. So we'll we'll go with Tristan Vukcevic. He's a, a, a interesting shooter. He's got size. Um, I would I would guess he probably doesn't come over this season.
1: Yeah, I it's tough because he's he's been one of those names that I think a lot of teams were thinking he was going to be a stash guy the last couple of years. And then this year, I thought it was like, okay, he, this could be the year. He really takes that search, but you know, he's, he's 20, maybe, Mm. maybe he is another stash guy that you kind of, and there's always the international guys in the second round that teams are like, we're going to stash him. And you know, maybe he's someone that teams pick early and stash him and try to see if he keeps developing. And then finally you bring him over. But shooting alone yeah he can make an impact it's just can he you know he's had some struggles on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to his mobility so can he stick enough but the shot alone is going to make him a a very interesting prospect with nba teams and that will bring us to an end tyler so
0: thank you for discussing all of those players with us colby jones bilal kalabali tristan vukcevic Scoot henderson and kobe brown um tell everyone a, where they
1: can find you over on social media, but what you've got cooking over at No Ceilings as well. Uh, thanks again, Josh. I appreciate it. My name's Tyler Rucker. I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker, as you can see on the screen. Um, make sure to follow No Ceilings NBA. We have a draft guide coming out um, very soon on our website. That's www.noseilingsnba.com. And as always, thank you, Josh, again, for having me on.
0: Not a problem, man. Thank you for coming on. And that... We'll do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.